Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I'm your host, Chase Krause. Let's dive in. All righty, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one of Catholics with Bibles. Uh, I'm super excited to be here with you today. Uh, and we're starting in the midst of all this Corona craziness, but we're here uh, to hopefully bring you some light and some uh, just hope, but also some knowledge uh, during this time. This podcast uh, based out of St. Teresa Catholic Church and School is dedicated to uh, exactly kind of what the title talks about, uh, Catholics with Bibles. So we are here to walk you through uh, various elements of scripture, of faith. Uh, we're going to read scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. Uh, namely through the lens of being authentically Catholic. So it's an authentically Catholic reading of the Bible. The show is going to be structured uh, every single episode. I'm going to start by teaching you guys a nifty Greek word. Uh, I don't know if it's really going to um, really help you uh, spiritually. Maybe it will. I hope the Greek um, helps you to read scripture better, to understand scripture better. Uh, but it's also just kind of cool. You know, you're in a conversation talking about the Bible and all of a sudden you just drop a Greek word in there and they're going to be like, whoa, you know, Greek. That's awesome. And you're gonna be like, yeah, I learned it from a nifty podcast at St. Teresa Catholic Church and school. <laughs> um, so we're always going to start by learning a Greek word uh, for grins and giggles. And then we're going to dive into whatever topic we're going to dive into. Uh, sometimes we're going to be talking about uh, more scriptural theology, so more abstract content. Sometimes we're going to be actually walking through uh, a book of the Bible. Uh, so looking at various passages or just literally going through a book, almost doing a Bible study uh, via podcast. So uh, there's going to be a few different things coming up on the show. We're going to bring in some guests every once in a while, either on the phone or uh, in, live in person to have a conversation with us about various topics of scripture. Uh, once again, all through the eyes of faith and authentic Catholicism. So in today's episode, the Greek word we're going to start off with is actually a word you've probably heard before. It is Petros. It's the Greek word for rock. Yeah, so it's the Greek word for rock. Um, and so, but it is where we get the word uh, Petros, which is uh, Peter in Greek. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today in this first episode. Um, going to start with good old Catholic Bible lingo. So we're going to talk about Matthew uh, chapter 16, and in particular, um, Peter's proclamation that Jesus is the Christ. So, uh, you know, the passage is, I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Uh, literally, it's, uh, I tell you, you are Petras. Um, it's masculine. It actually means little stone. And upon this Petra, uh, which is feminine, uh, which means foundation stone, I will build my church. And so one of the uh, things about this uh, particular passage, uh, Catholics will point to this passage in talking about papal infallibility, talking about how uh, we have a pope, Jesus appointed uh, a pope or a leader to kind of be our final word when it comes to matters of faith and morals. So uh, we, this is kind of a passage we point to, and you know it almost makes total sense to us. Uh, but a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters, um, they'll actually look at the Greek and try to uh, flip this because, um, like I just mentioned, um, the words actually are two different things. It's a play on word, right? So Peter, it's in the Greek, it's Petros, it's masculine for little stone. And upon this 
Petra, which is feminine for foundation stone. Jesus says, I'll build my church. And so a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters will do, will say and will do, they'll interpret this as, it's like, oh, they're saying that um, this is the little stone, which is Peter. And then Jesus says, but upon this rock, and like as in like pointing to himself, as in the uh, the foundation stone, I will build my church. You are Peter. You are kind of like a rock. You're kind of like a foundation stone. But upon this rock, let me myself, I will build my church. Uh, it doesn't really make sense in a lot of different ways uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it's very obviously a play on word. Um, and actually, Joseph Ratzinger, he says, the play on word for rock, you are this rock and upon this rock, does not work with complete success in Greek, where it is now necessary to switch gender from Petros to Petra. So a lot of Protestant brothers and sisters will kind of overemphasize the switching of the Greek masculine and feminine to mean that Jesus is pointing to two different things, talking about two different rocks. Where Joseph Ratzinger, uh, namely uh, Pope Benedict Emeritus, uh, he's saying that no, it's it's necessary because it, ju- it would just sound weird in Greek to talk about masculine and feminine. Um, to, to kind of reference the same thing because you would have to talk about Peter as like Petrina or something like that. And that's, he's masculine, so it wouldn't work to give him a feminine name in Greek. Um, so the, all that being said, there Peter has primacy, right? We, we know this as Catholics, that we know that there's the primacy of the Pope. And that's something that's been debated throughout the centuries. Um, you know, obviously our uh, Greek Orthodox brothers and sisters, they'll say that um, the Pope is kind of the first among brothers. So he doesn't really have that authority uh, that we claim that he has amongst Greek Orthodox. Um, all bishops are kind of on an even keel with the Greek Orthodox Church. And that's uh, part of the reason why uh, they broke off um, about a thousand years ago. And then obviously with our Protestant brothers and sisters, they'll, you know, they just don't believe in papal authority whatsoever. Um, you know, they point to, the, to call, call no God, no man father um, in, in the scriptures and say, see, we're not supposed to call any man father. Um, and, you know, there is no pope that's, you know, the head of the church or anything like that. It's personal interpretation and all that kind of stuff, which is a totally different topic um, for another day. We're not going to dive into that right now. But I do want to talk about uh, Peter's primacy in the Gospels. The thing is, only Peter is given keys to the kingdom, right? In Matthew 16, only Peter is given keys by Jesus. And in the Old Testament, uh, we look at a few different passages uh, about uh, keys to the kingdom, namely uh, in the Davidic kingdom, right? So in uh, in Israel in kind of the prime time, Israel and David, Solomon, and uh, their, their ans- not their ancestors, <laughs> their descendants uh, were given um, the power to rule over Israel. Uh, they had keys, namely they appointed certain individuals to kind of help them run their kingdom. And the prime minister of the kingdom, and we kind of see this in, in England, right? The prime minister is the primary uh, minister of the king, right? The primary person who has the king's authority. They're given keys to the kingdom, right? They speak on behalf of the king. So we understand that the pope is not God. We do not worship the pope, obviously. Uh, but he's given keys to the kingdom. Namely, he can speak on the authority of faith and morals when it comes to um, what uh, God intends for his people here on earth. Also, with Peter, he's always named first among the 12. Matthew 10, 2, Mark 3, 16, Luke 6, 14, Acts 1, 13, Matthew 4, 18. Every time the apostles are listed, the 12, he's always named first amongst all these different writers, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, Again, Luke and Acts, um, he's named first. And Peter's always first among the inner circle. Every time uh, Jesus kind of has his inner circle of disciples, uh, the healing of the little girl in Mark 5, 37, also Luke 
8.51, it's always Peter, James, and John. The transfiguration, right, when they go up the mountain, Matthew 17.1, Mark 9.2, Luke 9.28, it's always Peter, James, and John. In the Garden of Gethsemane, right, when he takes his inner circle and Jesus, you know, he sweats blood and he's praying, you know, let this cup pass from me, that very intimate prayer with the Father, Matthew 26.37, Mark 14.33. It's once again, it's Peter, James, and John. Peter's always named first. Also, Peter is usually the spokesman for the apostles. Uh, in the confession of faith, obviously what we just read, Matthew 16, 17, uh, Mark 8, 29, Luke 9, 20, Peter is always speaking on behalf of the uh, apostles, of the disciples. Uh, in, in a very dramatic scene, we have uh, John um, 6, right? So we have John 6, that is the bread of life discourse, where Jesus says, amen, amen, I say to you, um, whoever eats this blood, uh, my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life and I'll raise him up on the last day. And what's fascinating, and obviously uh, scripture wasn't written with chapters and verses in mind, right? There were, there were letters, there were books. It was only later that the chapters and verses were added. But uh, the monk that added them actually did this really uh, insightful and beautiful thing. So in John 6, there's a, there's a verse that says, and many of his disciples left him and returned to their former way of life. Right? After this, uh, the bread of life discourse, after this teaching about the Eucharist, right? About how Jesus is truly bread it, present, uh, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And that's going to be a, a you know, podcast for another day. Uh, but a- after Jesus talks about this, like, no, you really have to eat my flesh and drink my blood to have eternal life. John chapter six, verse 66. It's the only place in scripture that's six, 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 right? John chapter six, verse 66. That's the verse. It says, and many of his disciples returned to their former way of life and did not follow him, right? So Jesus lost dozens, if not hundreds of disciples after that teaching, right? John 6, 6, 6. But what happened? Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? Are you going to return to your former way of life? Are you going to let the evil one disperse you? Like he did all these other dozens or hundreds of disciples. And it's Peter that says, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. You are the one we seek. You are the one that we seek. You have the words of eternal life. It's Peter that speaks. Um, Jesus also pays the temple tax for himself and Peter in Matthew 17, 24 through 27. Uh, Peter is as the first in Matthew 10. Um, It's also the Last Supper. Jesus tells Peter at the Last Supper that he has prayed for him in particular among the apostles. Right? It's wild. Wild. I'm praying for you in particular. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, and your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strength, strengthen your brethren. Right? And he also has primacy in Acts. There's tons of different places in Acts. Um, Peter announces the need to replace Judas in Acts 1 through 15, right? Uh, and Matthias uh, replaces Judas. It's Peter who speaks to the crowd at Pentecost, right? In Acts 2. Uh, it's Peter and the rest of the disciples. Uh, and Peter himself responds during, the, during Pentecost. Uh, and Peter performs the first miracle after Pentecost. It, Peter and John are arrested. Peter speaks for the apostles in Acts 4. Um, and I think one of the most um, revealing, it's one of the most uh, powerful cases for the primacy of Peter is really um, the moment in the Acts of the Apostles where we have the Council of Jerusalem. 
So one of the big scandals in the early church, literally early church, like while the apostles were still alive, was it, uh, there was a division already amongst the, amongst the followers of Christ. Uh, and the main group was called the circumcision party. Uh, namely, this is a group of Jesus's uh, followers that were claiming the only way you can be totally Christian and a total follower of Christ was to obey the totality of the Old Testament, including circumcision. And this, uh, you know, for us, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's something that we, we answered way back in the day. Um, but it's, and it's something that's hard to grasp, but it, it's really important because if you're going out to the world trying to convert the Gentiles like Jesus commanded, go, you know, go out into all the world and baptize everyone in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit at the end of Matthew. If, you're, if that's your mission, right, and if you're going up to grown men who are not Jews and saying, hey, follow Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life to have eternal salvation. And, you know, they're like, oh, wow, that sounds pretty good. What do I have to do? And they said, oh, nothing much. Just get circumcised, right? <laughs> it's, it's a big deal. This is a, this is a big deal, right? You have to answer this question because there's a circumcision party saying like, yeah, that's true. That's what it takes. But then you have uh, the disciples, the apostles on the other hand, and namely Paul, right? St. Paul is really the arch nemesis of the circumcision party saying, no, that is not true. That is a ceremonial law that we no longer have to follow, right? The moral laws of the Old Testament, yes, obviously those are still true. I think of like the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, right? But the ceremonial law, we don't have to follow anymore, right? With tattoos, uh, not getting tattoos, that was a ceremonial law. Uh, circumcision was a ceremonial law. Not eating uh, blood and meat was a ceremonial law. The kosher food, that's ceremonial law. None of that applies to us under the new covenant. It's only the moral laws that still apply to us. So this was a big deal. So what happened was the Council of Jerusalem came together and they, they duked it out, right? You had the circumcision party on one side. You had St. Paul and some of the other key apostles on the other side. And they were hashing it out. They were debating. They were yelling at each other. It's a very heated issue. And finally, the decision was made when Peter stood up, right? When Peter stood up and announced that, no, they do not have to be circumcised, right? Acts 15. Read Acts 15. Um, after there had been much debate, Peter speaks. In an immediate response, the assembly falls silent, right? Acts 15. Uh, give Acts 15 a, a, a quick read and uh, read about the, the council of Jerusalem. Um, so it's after there was much debate, right? Think about just any council of the past 2,000 years. You know, uh, priests and advocates and theologians on both sides debate some kind of heated issue. And then finally, the Pope speaks and then the debate is over. Right. The debate is over. So this Council of Jerusalem, there was a lot of debate, but it's when Peter speaks. It's when Peter speaks that the debate is over. So what does all this have to do? with us as Catholics? What does all of this have to do with us? How can we learn to apply whatever this might be teaching us? And it's obviously teaching us something. It's included in scripture to teach us some kind of lesson. And I, I think one of the key lessons that this can teach us is how do we respond to authority? How do we respond to authority? Those in rightful authority over us. Especially during this time, uh, you know, in 2020, uh, we're all we're all quarantined right now. Um, it's mandated social distancing. Uh, you know, the government of Austin just announced uh, 
day or two ago that uh, you weren't even allowed to gather in groups of over 10 people. Um, all restaurants, bars, gyms, they're all closing down. And what's your response? What's your response to uh, local government authorities not even talking about uh, the authority of, of the Pope and the church? And I, I know for me, um, <laughs> I, I'm not great with authority. It's something I had to work on um, in certain, some certain, certain circumstances. In others, I'm, I'm pretty okay. Uh, but I think a lot of the times when we have, we have a problem with authority uh, is because it's pride, right? It's really, it's our own pride wanting to do what we want to do. We don't want to be told one way or the other what to decide or what to do or how to act because um, this is America and I'm American. You can't tell me what to do. Uh, <laughs> and I think this is a way we can, we can grow um, in humility and obedience um, during this time. Obedience is so so key a lot of times when it it comes to growing in our faith and when we don't have obedience it's really it means we don't have humility Uh, humility right live in accordance with reality humility comes from that latin word humus uh, which means earth uh, living in accordance with reality and the reality is you do not run this country uh if donald trump's listening to this podcast what up uh that's crazy but odds are he's not. Um, so we, it's something we have to pray about. We have to take to our prayer is how well are we, how well do we cope with, with authority? How well do we cope with uh, somebody telling us what to do or what not to do? Because how well we cope with authority is, is how well um, we're going to teach others to, right? Whether we're parents or friends or cousins or whatever it might be. And that might be something we bring to prayer this week is, Lord, how am I responding to this situation right now uh, with this uh, government-mandated quarantine? And how do I respond to the church um, with all of the things that the church asks us to do out of love for us and love for God? Because everything the church asks us to do and the Pope asks us to do, it's out of love for God and, lo- and for our own good. Going to Mass on Sundays, right? That's an obligation That is something that uh, a faithful Catholic does. Uh, It's not going to mass once a week. That is not the the commandment, right? The commandment is going to mass on Sundays or Saturday nights, obviously for the vigil. Uh, So if you go on Wednesday or Thursday for the daily mass, that's great. Doesn't count as your Sunday obligation, right? And you think some people get mad about that. Like, what do you mean? I'm going to mass. I'm still loving God, but that's that's not it. It's you know the, the Decalogue. It's to keep the Lord's day holy, right? The Lord's day, the day Jesus rose, was Sunday. So I encourage you to bring that to prayer this week. Encounter Christ in your prayer through Scripture. Pray through uh, Matthew sixteen, uh, or maybe the be uh, Acts and the Pentecost. Right. Praying at how your response is during this time. What how we could improve upon that because we have a church that is founded on Petros, right? The rock. Peter is the rock that we're founded upon that Jesus uh, entrusted his church to. And I will be praying for you during this time. Please pray for me and all the staff here at St. Teresa Catholic Church and School. We'll be producing these podcasts and YouTube videos. So I encourage you if if you found this um, podcast insightful in any way or um, helpful in any way, 
uh, please uh, you know share, um, give us a good review. We'll be diving into various other texts of scripture and theology uh, going forward. If you have any uh, books of the Bible that you really are interested in learning more about, uh, please shoot us an email, shoot us a message, um, let us know, and we'll be diving into uh, various texts or books. If there's any just passages that you have a question on, uh, feel free, send them our way. We'll be talking about them. And that's all we have for you today. Hope you all having a fantastic day and enjoy your week. God bless y'all. Hey guys, thanks again for checking in and listening to uh, Catholics with Bibles. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Once again, uh, please uh, subscribe, share, like, give us a good review. That'll help us uh, get the word out there. Let people know that this is what we're doing, part of what we're doing, as well as checking out the St. Teresa Catholic Church and School uh, YouTube uh, channel where we'll be producing more content uh, along similar lines and other things from Father Larry and other people on the parish staff. So y'all have a great day. Once again, send us any feedback uh, we can. Give us a good review and we'll see you next time. God bless.